Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Hebrews 13 and 4. Before we go into the Word, we're just going to have a quick word of prayer. And then after that, we I will read the text for today and we will begin to unpack the text. Father, we thank you for this day. We praise you for who you are. Thank you for your goodness and thank you for your mercy and thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord that you are the ultimate teacher. Holy Spirit, you are the influencer. You are the leader. You are the God. You are the comforter. You know all, see all, and have the ability to make all things happen. And Father, we thank you for ministering to us in every aspect of our lives, teaching us about marriage and family, whether we are single, whether we're married, whether we have gone through a a, a horrendous relationship, whatever it is, whatever the need is, help us to find love in you. Help us to find strength in you. Help us to gain insight, knowledge, and wisdom for the season that we're in in our lives. And God, we trust you with the results in this place that we will not only speak your word, God, but we will say what needs to be said in the manner it needs to be said, and we will hear your spirit. Father, minister in this place, we know that we will speak, but we know that the Holy Ghost is at work. We know that you are leading and guiding. You're causing things to be stirred on the inside of us. You're bringing conviction and clarity, God. We know that once you are released in this place, that miracles will continue to happen. And for that, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Amen. Hebrews 13 and 4, and it reads, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So we're going to begin unpacking the terms in today's topic, maintaining the honor of marriage. Maintaining the honor of marriage. So when we think in terms of honor, honor has to do with that which is precious, that which is valuable. It's of great value. It is to be admired. And we notice in this scripture that the Lord speaks clearly marriage is honorable among all. There is no exception to the rule. When he declares it in his word, it's honorable. When we honor a person, a position, or event, we tend to show a high level of respect and reverence. And we know that if we were to allow what we see um, in the media or what we hear or or what we see uh, in various outings that the honor of marriage, it would make us believe that there is no such thing as merit, and there's no such things as love, and there's no such thing as honor, and that was back in the day. If we allow to the, 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 the influence of what, again, what we see with our natural eyes, it would cause us to believe that this particular scripture is not true. But the Lord said that marriage is honorable. And we realize that honor means different things based on your perspective, right? So if I honor something, it doesn't mean that he's going to honor the same thing. But what we want to do is align ourselves with what the scripture says, and it says that marriage is honorable. No doubt we could probably call a few sports figures from this particular area that gain a level of honor, And if you're not, some of you probably know a few sports figures, not only sports figures, but entertainment figures who have quote unquote made it to the professional level. And you know how it is when these people make it, everybody kin to them. That's my cousin. That's my so-and-so. That's who I grew up with and so forth. And of course, as believers, many of us strive on a daily basis, daily basis to have a relationship with Jesus. And that relationship with Jesus is more honorable than any type relationship that we can have 
with any type individual who has quote unquote made it to that particular level. It's important for us as believers to have to honor Jesus on a daily basis. We don't skip days, but we honor Jesus every day. How many agree with that? You honor him every day. Amen. And others, uh, others, others do not come to the level that Jesus is on. We respect these individuals, but they don't come to the level and we don't honor them like we honor Jesus. We honor Jesus in the way we think and the way we talk and the way we conduct our lives. That's why we allow the Lord to teach us how to honor, because we may not honor his way. See, I can't take the way I honor from the world and bring it to the kingdom. But I must allow the Holy Spirit to teach me how to honor Jesus as well as others. And, you know, the interesting thing about that is that whoever we honor, whatever we honor, we value it. And it's easy to see. Like, it's very obvious of who we honor and who we respect in our lives because we esteem them highly. If we're being honest, and I have to be honest with myself, is that on Sundays, my desire is to get up and honor Jesus all day. But on a scale of 1 to 10, and 10 being the highest, there are days when I believe I'm at the 10. And there are days when I'm like, I might be at a two or three. Why is that? Because I've allowed something else to get in the place of that which I should be esteeming above everything else. And so we see that a high honor means there is high investment. A low honor means that there is low investment. And so wherever I put my time and my energy and my mindset, it lets me know where I'm actually honoring. So if I've invested time in prayer, I've invested time in worship, I've invested time in meditating on the word and allowing my mind to be changed with the word of God, then I can say I'm hitting a 10 today. But if I've skipped out and I've gotten busy and I've gotten distracted and I've I spent more time, you know, scrolling through social media or I, I spent more time watching the movies or, you know, I, I've been binge watching TV lately. I, 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 I may not be honoring him as much as I need to. Now, is there anything wrong with that person? Absolutely not. But does it have its place? Because when that becomes who we are, that's what comes out of us. Is that right? So you, what you're saying, Lady Dobbs, is this. You're going if I honor you, you're gonna see it in my actions. You're gonna see it in the if I rise up early in the morning and I meditate on Jesus and I pray and I meditate before I go out through the day. In other words, I'm I'm putting into practice in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct our paths. And knowing that's going to be a good day when I acknowledge Jesus, as opposed to another day when I don't acknowledge Jesus. And I, I had enough of those other days <laughs> not to, even if it don't go the way I think it should, but because I put him first and mm-hmm. honor him at the beginning of the day, I know that all things are working together for my good because I love God and I'm called according to his purpose. Why? Because it's precious to me. His time with me, with him, is precious to me. And so as we unpack that word honor, we, we're, we want that to kind of sink in and, and, and we begin to just really think about that, that, that honor has a lot to do with that which is valuable, that, that which is to be esteemed, that which we admire. And, and depend upon our um, relationship or depend upon what we've seen growing up, marriage may or may not be honorable in our eyesight doesn't change what the scripture says, but it does our perspective. And, and so I was just recently thinking, I was like, you know, not only is it important to honor Jesus in spiritual and natural matters, but, but from time to time we honor people on the earth, right? Most recently we had the opportunity, and can I say the opportunity, to honor a historical moment with the Senate confirmation of, of Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson. What an honor. 
as our newest Supreme Court judge. And, and, and depending on, I like that, sis, I, it depends on where you are as to whether or not you esteem that Holly. It depends on how you feel about her, whether you esteem that highly. It depends on if you have any information about what happened or how significant it is if you esteem that highly. And the same as it is with marriage. What do I know about marriage? What, 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 what experiences, what, what examples have I seen? What, 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 who am I hanging around? Who, who, you know, how is their marriage or what do they speak of marriage? You know, sometimes some people say marriage is just shackles. Man, I ain't trying to be shackled down. I'm just going to do me. I'm free. I mean, I, I ain't even trying. And, and, and in some, for some people, marriage is, you know, oh, my God, I cannot wait to that day. Y'all, you know, it just depends on where you've been. Some people saw marriage as mom getting beat on. And some saw marriage as dad getting beat on. Some saw marriage as, well, you know, there was no faithfulness in the household. Dad came and go as he went, and Mom did what she wanted to do. And so it, it, it took away that honor, if you will. It, it was no longer esteemed highly. I, I'm just going to live for me. I'm not going to do as what the Scripture has said. So when we think of marriage, Pastor, tell us, what, what is marriage? Marriage is the legal union or covenant between a man and a woman with the intent of becoming one. We find this over in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. So if you go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, it reads as follows. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Again, therefore, a man shall leave. He's going to depart. He's going to get out of the house of his father and his mother, and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. That word become means they're gonna, it's going to be a process. Because just because you say I do on the wedding day doesn't mean you're one. You, it's, got, it's a process you have to work on as long as you are in marriage. Because we change. We go through different changes in life. Children come into the picture. Jobs come into the picture. And so forth. So you're always becoming one flesh. I like that. It is a process. I, I will never forget when we got married. And I was 20. I was real, real young. Oh, my gosh. I was so young. Thank God he was caring for me. But at any rate, it was my season. It was my time. Okay? But I remember waking up, I was like, ooh, I'm really married. <laughs> like, oh, he's not going away. Ooh, I'm here to stay. Like, that, but it didn't happen. Like, that moment, you're so excited. And, I'm, you know, and the first time I have to, my, my confession, I, I, I hesitate to give you this confession in the presence of my daughter. But my first confession is this. We elope. Right? So, at that moment in time, there was a lot going on in my world. I was just trusting the God, trusting the Lord, and that that was just the moment that like we eloped. But I knew it was right, and I knew that this was a God ordained man, and I knew that His works He was bringing me closer to God, not further away from God. But but I knew that, and I and I knew that that the way that we were dishonoring it in one sense, the the sanctity of marriage. I was like, mm mm. We can't live like this. But I'm so glad that the grace of God, that God allowed us to become one over time. And Ephesians 5.31 notes this. For this reason, for this reason, shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul is clear for this cause, a man, as Pastor mentioned earlier, it's, it's a lot of growing up. You're leaving your, your, your father and your mother, and you're being joined together. And that joined together, it's like you're like glue. You see one, you see the other. You want to be around. It, and it's something that when you're married and, you, and your folks don't want to be around you, your spouse don't want to be around you, you something wrong with your glue, and it's bad elmos or something, you need to be glued together. And when you're not glued together, it's because I'm at work, 
It's because I'm with family. It's because I'm doing something that's meaningful. Otherwise, when you see one, you likely are going to see the other. And that's important. And it's important because it keeps away a lot of other things from coming between the two of you. He says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. Without question, leaving and cleaving is a process. It takes time, patience, maturity, and God's unconditional love. Um, We were talking not too long ago, and um, I said, you know, it's such a blessing in the ministry when you see the husband and the wives stay together, they look like they enjoy being together, spending time together, whether it's church-related, home matters, or so just, sometimes just navigating through life. Let me tell you, that's precious. Because not everybody want to be with their spouse. Can I, can I say that? Sometimes single folks might want to be with their spouse, but remember, they're single. They, it's not really their spouse. But when you marry, there ain't nothing pulling you other than the Lord pulling you together. But I said, that's so precious to see that, you know, that you're, you're growing together. You're growing in the word together. You're growing older together. You're, you're building financial wealth together. You're establishing a home, establishing traditions together. That is a blessing. And I can see why Hebrews 13 and 4 is so important. He said, with this blessing, marriage brings that. It is honorable. Pastor? And, of course, we're not proclaiming perfect relationships, but we're speaking to productive and prosperous and healthy relationships. And I think about healthy. There's no sores in the relationship, no bitterness in the relationship, no resentment in the relationship. And there's a process that continues to work these negative things out of the relationship so the joy of the Lord can be in that relationship. And so in turn, that couple can be happy. And you know what? When you said that, no bitterness, no unforgiveness, the enemy wants that to be in the household. And so he would bring up all kind of receipts to make sure he can keep that established in the household. But what you have to know, that's why it's so important to be connected to God, because God will we'll work through those things. He will bring his love, his unconditional love. He will bring forgiveness. He will bring healing. He will bring restoration. It's not to say that you might not ever deal with it, but you know that you have a source that's greater than you, that's more powerful than you, that can allow you to work through those things so that you can experience that level of joy. So thank you for bringing that up, Pastor Dobbs. And, of course, that entails that these couples honor marriage. Not their idea of marriage, but God's idea of marriage. And, and they want to obey what the Lord has instructed them to do. So we see so far we've discussed two of the three major terms, honor and marriage, in today's message. We'll now discuss maintaining. And just a quick reference, honor, of course, means to do, excuse me, to that which is precious, costly, and valuable. And again, marriage is the legal legal union between a man and a woman with the intent of becoming one. That's good to know, Pastor Dawes, because we're going to get this thing right. The Lord said, them saints over in Villarica, they know how to honor some marriage. Single folks be like, yes, I honor Lord. Send him on, send her on, Jesus, because I'm ready now. I thought I was ready. But I saw in the text. Now, I know what it means to honor it. I know that it's valuable, and I am ready. Single folks, help me out in this place. Can you testify that you understanding that marriage is honorable? Give it up, single folks. Don't get quiet now, because we, 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 we believe in the Lord that, that when you are blessed to make that big step, that you're going to see the honor in that. And it's not that you're going to make a temporary step. But you're making a long-term step. And you are solid in what you know that God has called in your life. Married couples, help me out a little bit and say amen. Amen. All right, now. It was a little quiet, Pastor. I thought I was going to have to go. Okay, let's talk a little bit about maintaining. Pastor, will you turn to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? 
So when we think about maintaining, it, it is continuing something, to keep it going, to preserve something from failure. And as we mentioned the topic, maintaining the honor of Mary, we've got to keep this thing going. I know, I know that some will want you to believe that it's old news, that it doesn't still happen, or you just get caught up in the day and that's it. But no, 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 no. We're, we're moving beyond the wedding day. Can I get an amen? We're moving beyond the first two or three years, because there's a lot going on in the first two, three years. And, and we're moving on into uh, the, the, the season time, that, that veteran love, that long-lasting love. We're, we're moving on into that because we've got to see it the way God sees it and not necessarily the way we want to see it. And, and that's why you got to be in the Word. Both, both people have to really be in the Word because it's going to take the Word to help you work through them situations and circumstances in that first 12 months. You're like, this joker don't pick his clothes up. She can't cook. And you're like, now I know she could cook because I know I ate her food. But, bruh, she only made two dishes. Why you only think she made two dishes? She couldn't cook. But now you there every day and you expecting meals on the table. And, and that first 12 months, that, that could be a little rocky. And, 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 don't, and don't bring in children now. Come on now. You got that first 7 to 10 years and you got children. You're like, nah, bruh. Uh-uh. Don't you see this baby crying? What is going on with you? Don't you see this child over here need this, that, and the other? And you talking about, but baby, you know, you know, you know. Nah, 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 baby. Nah, nah, nah. See, you got to work through that time. That's a given. That's going to happen, right? Sleep deprivation is going to happen when you have kids. That's just, it's just, it's going to happen. Oh, wait a minute. I got up the last time. You mean I got to, you got to get up this time? What's going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you see that bottle there? Go on and heat it up. You, it's you this time, right? But you got to work through that. Because if not, you'll focus in on one area and the enemy will attack you in another area. And so I'm saying it to be comical, but it's real talk. If you're going to get to that season of veteran love, you got to learn how to see it the way God sees it. So very quickly, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, and it reads, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So um, Paul is letting us know in, in, um, in as he is addressing to Timothy, his beloved son, he said all scripture, you, you can't pick and choose the scripture. He said all scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, when you look at the Bible, you say, God breathed on it. Every bit of the scripture. Not just my favorite verse. Not just the one I memorized when I was a kid. But every part of this scripture is God's. So it reflects the breath of God. And, and he says, and it comes with a purpose. It's profitable. It, it's advantageous to us. And it's for reproof. It causes conviction in our heart. It, it brings about evidence. And so when you read the text, you ought to feel something. This scripture doing its work. It's for correction. It helps us to improve our lives. It's for instruction, like we're talking today. It, it's giving us training. It's helping us get our mind right and, and to get our mindset and our, our character right, that the man of God may be complete. He said the scripture going to help you to grow up. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we want to do honorable works in this life. You know, we only have that little dash between our birth and our departure date from this earth. And whatever we do with that dash is what people will remember us. And so we want to make sure that we are utilizing the scripture so that we have that complete and equipped life to do those good works. And as, again, the scriptures are there to reprove, to correct to convict, to improve our lives spiritually and as well as naturally, to give us instructions, and in this case, how to honor marriage. The Word of God, it cultivates, it cultivates us. It prepares us. It plows and develops our mind, will, and emotions. 
as well as it benefits us in our mental as well as physical well-being. It deals with our mind, our will, and our emotions. Therefore, God's word is to be honored, and we must maintain, keep it, preserve it, and honor it, not monthly, but on a daily basis. His word will help us to honor other important things in life. Again, as we talked about earlier, it's important that we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us how to honor. Because if not, you're bringing the world's way of doing it, and it won't line up with the word of God. So let's go back to today's text and see what the Hebrew writer is telling us about the sacred union of marriage. Again, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. And it reads, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So the writer begins with the term, and we've unpacked the term. So you're like, yeah, you keep saying it. You keep saying, yeah, that was a reason why we unpacked it. And we wanted it to kind of drop down on the inside of you. Because once you realize that first clause there, it just, it just sets on you. It's like marriage is honorable. So when you're having thoughts to go do something contrary to what the word said, you're like, mm-mm. But marriage is honorable. When you when you think that, you know, this is ain't gonna work, this is I'll just give up, I'm giving in, like I'm just gonna go ahead and just slide over here. Uh no, no, no. Marriage is honorable. And the writer lets us know that uniting of the uniting of a husband and a wife, it's a big deal. It's more than a big wedding day, the beautiful dress, the dapper tuxedo. It's more than coming together and living together. It's honorable. It is to be esteemed highly. And when you start seeing married couples, you're like, you know what? That's a blessing. Now, I have to say, as you get uh, past 50, you start to appreciate things a little better. But, you know, sometimes when you see them couples and they've been to get together, we had a chance to visit my aunt um, last week. And um, she and her husband, they had, my uncle, they've been together for like 68 years, I think, right? And, and, and you know, they're so sweet. But he's dealing with some health issues. Their mind sharp as can be. You know, you can tell the love is still solid. But he's, they're dealing, he's dealing with some health issues, and she is too. But I just admire them so much. And, I, and they're like, well, she was like, what? I didn't cook. And I was like, cook? I was just like looking at y'all because y'all give us hope. When you see married couples and they're happy, you're like, look, you give me hope. You give me hope that this thing can really work, that I can be happy, that we can grow old together, that we can enjoy life together, we can raise kids and grandkids together. Like, you give me hope. That's how I want us to walk away when we see married couples. I got hope. I got hope that this thing works. Why? Because I'm going to do it the way God has instructed us to do it. So we see there in the text that marriage is... It's, it's, it's honorable. And, and so when it's something that's honorable, it's valuable. It's costly. And, and when we uh, say I do or before we say I do, we got to count up the cost. Yeah, it can't just be my friends, everybody get married, and I just think I need to be in the number. No, 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 no. Because you ain't going to live with your friends. Trust me. You need to count up the cost. Or not just part of the cost. The wedding cost, but the whole cost. Count up the cost with them, with the, with the family, because you're marrying them too. Part of them coming along with the package. Go on and count me in for my future in-laws. You, you know, I'm coming with the package, right? You got to count the whole cost up, right? Because you can't have them. You can't be married to somebody and then you 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 you, you can't get along with the family. Now, I ain't say they had to move in with you, but you got to be cordial now because you can mess up some stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you got to count up the whole cost. I'm just marrying you, and that's it. Now, I, I ain't fooling with nobody else. Hold on, because that represents me. So you got to count up the whole cost. And if I said I'd do it, I didn't count up the cost. I need to do a cost analysis and say, Holy Ghost, <laughs> help me, because I didn't count this cost up good. What is it going to cost me, Pastor? It's going to cost me. Let me say something too. Uh, when you count up the cost, you do it through prayer and wise counsel. 
through the multitude of counsel, there is what? Safety. And so we want to get counsel in that particular case. And if you're already married, then you allow the word of God to counsel. And then you surround yourself with godly married couples that can be a blessing to your life. So again, what will it cost me? It's going to cost me not getting my way all the time. I don't know about you. I like to get my way, but you don't get that when you're married all the time. And I, Sorry. Sorry, sir. Well, we have children. You might as well forget your way. Your way is way out the door. Because some children come in there, boy. This is what we're finna do. No, we ain't. Yeah, keep thinking that. It's going to cost me my time with my friends and my family. You know, my high school friends, I don't even know, know, hardly know them anymore. Cause, but, you know, I'm happy, though. Don't get me wrong. I was going to say, hon, <laughs> this thing is better than them high school friends. Go ahead, Pastor. I'm sorry. Surely, I'm baby. I'm sorry. All right. It takes sacrifice <laughs> to support someone other than yourself. Because sometimes I'm going to spend my money here, but because I love the people in my household, I'm going to spend it there. My sister sister says, now you kind of. My sister's helping you preach. I know. I I feel feel it. it. And when she ain't hitting, Pop got you and your daughter got you too. But I'm I'm strong today. I'm strong. It's going to cost me some free time. Free time. Free time. <laughs> free time. Free time. Free time so I can watch Batman. I'm sorry. I can watch TV. I can. Free time. Free time. Don't cost me time, money, money, money. I'm sorry. Unconditional love and forgiveness. Because you got, and let me say something to you. Forgiveness is so powerful. In a relationship. I mean, I may say it lightly, but forgiveness is gone. It's huge. Because you are two imperfect people serving a perfect God. And unfortunately, I don't care how fine they are. I don't care how good they cook. I don't care what they do. I can make all the money in the world. You have to deal with forgiveness in the relationship. That's good. You have to deal with it. And let me say this, sir. You can't do it your way. I forgive you if you do this. I forgive you if all this is lined up. No, we got to do it God's way. Again, we go back, we're doing it God's way. To me, that's the only way that works. Because of two uh, we're striving to do better. But one good thing about it, the benefits far outweigh the cost. Amen. And that's real. That's real. Two imperfect people striving to become one with a perfect God. That's that's heavy. That's it. That that says it. We two imperfect people striving to become one. We ain't even sure who we are in our oneness. And now I'm bringing somebody else in together, and we're becoming one. But you're right, Pastor. It costs. And we have to count up the cost, but the benefits far outweigh the cost. The Hebrew writer makes it clear that the marriage covenant is honorable among all. There are no exceptions. And he even discusses the marriage bed. And we notice in the second clause of the text that the bed is undefiled. It's unsoiled. And he goes on to say, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. He specifically talks to the purity and consecration of the union between the husband and wife. It's also clear that the gift that comes with marriage, that gift of intimacy, should remain with the husband and wife. And we're living in a time where that would be, it's almost like it's ancient. It's like it's that, you know, you just do whatever. Like this is, we have what we call an open relationship. We We just come and go as we please. But that's not according to scripture. It's not according to the text. And and know for sure the latter part of that, he says, well, fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So there's a judgment that's coming, whether we see it or not. We don't need to judge. We just let God. He said, I got this. You ain't got to worry. But you, you're going to see the outcome. But he deals specifically with the outcome of misusing that gift outside of the union of marriage. And I know we're living in a generation where anything goes or we, it seems like anything goes or seems to you know, do what you want to when you want to. But the scripture is true. 
and it hasn't changed. Pastor, talk to us about Ecclesiastes 1 and 9. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new or fresh under the sun. See, things are trending. Okay? You know how things can be trending here one day, gone the next. People are bold and many have little reference in what it says or reference or esteeming it highly what the Bible says. People like to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it, and so forth. What they wear and when they wear it and how they want to wear it. Be with who they want to be with, when they want to be with them, how they want to be with them, so forth and so on. But things can get wild, crazy, and may seem like it's something new. You know, when you study the Bible, many things you see today, it's the same thing that happened in Bible days, except different people. Different people. They've never seen nothing like this before. Well, they might not have had a computer, but the same characteristics, same traits, same things they did in the Bible days, they're doing it today. There is nothing new under the sun. Yet, God remains the same. How do we know he remains the same? Well, Malachi 3 and 6 says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Hebrews 13 and 8 lets us know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and we've got to understand that God is God. Let him be judged. He is the greatest. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. But what I have come to realize, and I'm coming to realize, and we have to pray for each other, is that even the world knows that marriage is sacred and it's safe because there would be no need for us to uh, partake the thought of cheating in something that's safe if we didn't think it was safe, right? So we're not trying to go for something that's all out there. Uh uh-uh, uh, we want something that's safe, right? And it's interesting. I said, the enemy, he thinks he's slick. He wants to know that, well, I don't want you to really wait for your husband, you know, because you've been doing good all this time. You could just slip up here, slip up there. No, 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 no. You knew it was safe. That's why you tried to partake of it. So you got to watch the enemy because he knows that which is safe and that which is honorable. And, 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 and it says that God will judge. And I don't know about you, but, you know, as a mama and a daddy and an auntie and a cousin, we always want to put our love two cents in. Like, I got this. I, I, I'm going to be the judge on this one. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> that ain't what the scriptures say. Come back. Pull it in. It says God will judge. He will judge the matter. He will make, sometimes it's an immediate judgment. Sometimes it may come with additional responsibilities and accountability. Sometimes his judgments may show up, come on now, in emotional ways, mental ways, our self-worth. We go bad relationship, bad relationship, bad relationship. And then we lie. You know, I just didn't do it God's way. And it affected me on the inside. Sometimes his judgments show up in our children. The sins of the parents are passed down to the children. But nevertheless, God will judge. When we fail to honor marriage as he commanded us to, the latter part of that text is going to occur. And it says he's going to preside over a give a resolution. We need to pull back and trust God. And you say, well, I don't want to fall in the hand of God. Neither do I. But we can't change the text. What we need to do from this day forward is just start honoring marriage. And what we also have to realize, too, is that the blood still works. So if I didn't know before, and now I know, there's this thing called the blood of Jesus. You know, we, 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 we talked about it a little bit last Sunday. Matter of fact, we talk about it a little bit every Sunday. But what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? That's what I like about church, see? Because when you come and get, you get good and churched up, you understand that, but by the grace of God... Do we stand? So even though I might have messed some things up, there is the blood of Jesus 
that the, the fact that he died for me, the fact that he was crucified for me, allows me to get back in right standing with him. And sometimes you just got to say, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. Oh, God, the blood over my mind, my body. The blood over oh, over my past relationships, God. I just didn't understand. I, I didn't get it. But now from this day forth, I get it, God. So we don't sit in condemnation, but what we sit in truth. And truth lets us know that, hey, if I need to get some things right, I just need to get some things right. Why do you think we had to get some things right? I was like, oh, I done found out the truth. <laughs> I can't live like this. But the blood still works. And you're looking at you're looking at the example of the the blood of God of Jesus working on the inside of us. Well, now let's look at three ways to maintain the honor of marriage. And before we do that, let's first of all understand John 16 and verse 13. The Holy Spirit is there to lead and to guide us into all truth. And one of the truths it deals with is marriage. Notice John 16 and 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Again, the Holy Spirit is going to lead us, it's going to teach us, and it's going to guide us into the truth when it comes to marriage. So, Lady Dodge, you start with the first one, and I'll go from there. So, three ways to maintain an honor marriage, and we're going to be closing. We're going to ask us give us about seven more minutes. But one way is my commitment to Jesus, my commitment to loving Jesus and my spouse. So, if we look at Matthew 22, 37 through 40, is this some good teaching? It's a quiet church today, though, but I know the word at work. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So my commitment to loving Jesus, I, I got to be dedicated. I got to be devoted because I'm trying to do this thing on my own. I'm trying to do it with what I know. And let me tell you, I know a lot. And it ain't a lot of it ain't lining up with the text. I got to love Jesus. And he said it like this. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. So that means my inner thoughts, I got to get them in line. My passion, my desires, my appetite. And I said, now, you know, look at that Hebrew 13 and 4. Talking about some fornicators and adulterers. What get them folks in trouble the most? Help us, Jesus. We ain't forgot our appetites, our inner thoughts, our inner um, desires. Now, now, you know, when we, you say for me, I like you done forgot. You ain't forgot. Come on now, you ain't forgot now. So don't make other people feel like you done forgot. You ain't forgot. And you know how it was for you, or I know how it was for me. I got to line them thoughts up. Because just because you're married don't mean the thoughts don't come. Can I get another amen? Yeah, sometimes we want to just look and cast judgment in one direction. No, the thoughts will come. But I got to say, I love God no matter what. And I was thinking about that with Joseph the other day with Potiphar's wife. Sis was obsessed over Joseph, wasn't she? And you know what he said? I ain't going to sin against God. And you know your husband had given me all this jurisdiction, but what I'm not going to do, I'm not going to sin against God. And so that commitment to God, it helps us to align our mind, our, our understanding, our feelings. And you know what? When he says love your neighbor as yourself, if you don't love yourself, something is wrong. So if I got to love my spouse like I love myself, look at how that level of love in my relationship is going to go. Because I'm going to treat myself right. Well, I hope. And if I ain't, y'all better be checking me out. You know, checking me in somewhere. Because something is not right. I'm not going to bring harm on myself. So therefore, I'm not going to bring harm on my spouse. Next one. The second one is, if I'm going to maintain the honor of marriage, I must be mindful of my conduct. Mindful of my conduct. I got to be 
aware or conscious of my conduct. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Let your conduct be without covenants. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Again, conduct is our conversation, our manner of life, our character. He says, be without covenants. Don't be greedy for gain when it comes to covenants. But be content, be satisfied with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, my conversation, my words, my actions, and my character speaks my story, whether good, bad, or indifferent when it comes to my married life or my single life. And one of the things you have to learn how to do is, I'm going to put it to you in a very common term, you got to watch your mouth. Because your mouth will get you in trouble. I should have had two amens right Amen, now. I'm going to tell you, you can say something, boy, and, and I don't, it's something about you can't grab them words once they leave your mouth. You ain't live long enough till you see them words go out your mouth and, <gasps> you're like, did you really say that? Man. Them words for married folks can have you on the sofa if you ain't careful. Can have you in the car. <laughs> Not the Sleeping car. in the car. I'm talking, talking right. Sleeping in the car. Riding around like you're trying to do something. But I'm just, well, we know what you're doing. But you know. You were saying something. I'm sorry, y'all. No, you, that, that's good because that conversation also is the one thing that gets us going straight in another direction. Mm-hmm. You say the right thing to the right person and that still gets you in trouble. So you're right. Conversation on how to just could put you on the rooftop or the doghouse or wherever you be sleeping at. I just don't know where you be sleeping at. Kidding. But our conversation can also cause us to get into situations where it's, Ooh, if we had not engaged in that level of conversation, we would not have found our mind and our soul going in that direction. But if I'm content and enjoying life, being it married or single, people will know it directly or indirectly. How do you ask? I'm taking advantage of what God says in his word, resulting in bigger and better as a married or a single person. See, a lack of contentment can cause a married person to spend more time trying to be single and hanging out with the girls or the boys than commit to their gift of marriage. In like manner, a lack of contentment can cause a single person to be so consumed with being married that they waste valuable time, resources, and energy on seeking to be married, whether it's God's will or not. In each scenario, we rob ourselves, the other person, and God of the opportunity to bless us with what we have. That's good. So three ways to help us maintain. I got to be committed to God, be mindful of my conduct, and then the very last thing is contentment. I got to learn to be content in my married life as well as my single life. And Philippians 4.11, Paul lets the, he's talking to the church in Philippi. And he says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. In other words, whoever I'm with, wherever I am, I'm going to be content. I'm going to be independent of external circumstances making me happy. I am going to be content. But I like the way Paul said that. He says, I have learned. I said, good, Paul, because I am learning. I am studying. I am being taught. It is a process of being content. Like, I need to be satisfied. Like, you have you have already eaten um, a bowl of ice cream. Why do you need that second bowl? Mm. You have already had two rolls. Why you got to have four? Mm. I got to be content, right? We don't see it stuff like that. Oh, okay. You already have a running car. Why do you need to go out and purchase something else? Yeah, now those things start to affect us even more. Uh, I got to be content. I got to learn how, wherever state I am, to be content. So if I'm married, I got to be content in my marriage. Be happy. And if I'm single, I need to be content in my single life. Because I don't need to live my life wishing for the other. Can I, can I say that? I missed something. The time, the energy I was wishing to be single while I was married... I miss the opportunity to love and to grow and, and, and to receive better. 
And the time, the opportunity that I was single and I could have been enjoying and doing this and not really being responsible to anybody but me, I was so busy trying to get married, I missed the opportunity. So he said, be content. I've got to learn how to be content. And, and, and when we come to maintaining marriage, again, we just have to know where we are. We know where our lot is in life. And, and we have to watch and pray when it comes to maintaining that, that honor of marriage because we're at different places. And we're dealing with different things. And we have dealt with different things. And so it's going to take that final scripture pastor is going to share with you on Matthew 26 and 41. Matthew 26 and 41 is this. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, watch. Pay attention. Be cautious. You do that by praying. Your conversation between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. This will help you not to enter into temptation, being tested or proved, because the spirit indeed is willing. But the flesh, the nature of man, the nature of man which entices the sin, the human nature of a person is weak, it's frail, it's not as strong, it doesn't operate by faith, and you're not a faith walker when it comes to that thank you so much for listening to today's message please subscribe to our podcast and if you're ever in the villarica area you can visit us at 3193 south van Wert road in villarica georgia on sunday mornings at 10 and wednesday evenings at 7 you can also reach us at 770-459-6221 that's 770-459-OCC1 Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.